and welcome to the Friday Five. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five things you should know about here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. Thanks for joining us as we wrap up the month of April and get into the headlines from this week. Starting out at number one, CMS proposed a very interesting rule last Friday. CMS-4199-P, Implementing Certain Provisions of the Consolidated Appropriations Act 2021 and Other Revisions to Medicare Enrollment and Eligibility Rules. If you have ever thought that some of the rules surrounding Medicare enrollment periods and corresponding coverage start dates were confusing, first, welcome, we're glad you're here. Second, It looks like CMS has started to realize that this process is not just confusing for agents, but it's also confusing for beneficiaries as well, because there are just so many rules and exceptions when it comes to enrolling in Medicare. So let's skip to Section 120 of the Consolidated Appropriations Act, or the CAA as CMS calls it for short. Beneficiary Enrollment Simplification. So first, let me just recap over the details of what enrollment in Medicare looks like. First scenario, if someone enrolls in Medicare during the first three months of their initial enrollment period, coverage becomes effective in the first month of their eligibility, so the month they turn 65. Second scenario, if that same person enrolls during their IEP in the month they become eligible, so their birth month, their coverage becomes effective the month after they sign up, one month after 65. Third scenario, if that same individual enrolls during any of the last three months of their initial enrollment period, Their coverage will be effective two to three months after they sign up, so either two or three months after 65. And then the fourth scenario, when someone enrolls during the general enrollment period, that is the time frame that runs from January 1st through March 31st each year, those enrollments become effective on July 1st. If you're thinking that is a lot to keep track of, I would say that you're right. And CMS, like we said, is starting to think that as well. So they're proposing changes to the third and fourth scenarios. Rather than having a coverage effective date that starts up to three months after enrolling, coverage would begin one month after enrollment. So for the third scenario, an individual enrolls during any of the last three months of their IEP, their coverage will begin one month after they enroll. And in the fourth scenario, if an individual enrolls during the GEP from January 1st through March 31st, their coverage will begin one month after they enroll. What CMS is trying to do is cut down on confusion as to when Medicare coverage starts and also to cut down on late enrollment penalties. There are also a handful of new special enrollment periods proposed in this rule. You'll find those outlined on the fact sheet for the rule. And then I also want to point out Section 402. That outlines extended coverage of immunosuppressive drugs for kidney transplant patients and other renal dialysis provisions. 
We will be linking to the press release, the fact sheet, and the published rule in the Federal Register. Comments on the proposed rule are due by 5 p.m. on Monday, June 27th. Number two, Elon Musk has gotten the financing together and made his takeover bid on Twitter for $44 billion. And you would be hard-pressed to find a media outlet that has not covered the news. Most have been covering it as we have here on the podcast, not because we're Elon Musk fans, but because Twitter is and has been an important resource for information across the world. What Musk plans to do with the company that he's just bought is unclear. But the majority consensus is that he won't be able to fix what's wrong with Twitter any more than the current board has been able to fix Twitter. And the main problems that Twitter is currently facing, one, profit, it has not been able to figure out an equation for financial success. And then two, it's not exactly TikTok or Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, or LinkedIn. Twitter comes in seventh when you look at social network users here in the U.S. by platform, and that's without YouTube and a handful of others that would push Twitter down even further. This is definitely a situation that we will be watching. I am personally curious to see what changes might come to Twitter, because it's already kind of got the deck stacked against it. And from what Musk has mentioned that he would like to see improved— Yes, those are great features for the platform, but feature improvements like the ones he's mentioned don't typically drive large change. I'm curious what other changes he's got in mind that we haven't heard about yet. So like I said, we'll be keeping an eye on Twitter and reporting back in the coming weeks, I have no doubt. Number three. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force has changed their guidance on beginning a low-dose aspirin regimen for those over the age of 60. Typically, a daily low-dose aspirin regimen has been recommended as a way to prevent strokes or heart attacks. But as the years have gone on, evidence suggests that there is no net benefit to adults over 60 taking a daily aspirin. What it does do, apparently, is increase the risk of internal bleeding. For adults in the 40 to 59-year-old age group, the daily low dose of aspirin may yield a small benefit. According to Dr. John Wong, a physician at Tufts Medical Center and a member of the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, quote, What we found is that compared to older studies, aspirin appears to have less benefit from cardiovascular disease, and there's an increasing risk of bleeding as people age, end quote. Now, again, I would like to point out that this new guidance is for starting the low-dose aspirin regimen. If you've had a heart attack or stroke and your doctor has told you to take the aspirin, take the aspirin. Same thing for adults in general, regardless of age. If your doctor had you start the regimen, keep taking the aspirin. If you've got questions, we recommend talking with your doctor about it. Your doctor certainly knows your health better than we do here. And if you have questions about the study, we will have the link to that and the NPR article in our notes. Number four. 
I feel like we've talked about doom scrolling before here on the podcast, but I couldn't find the exact date of the last time I mentioned it. Probably, I want to say, somewhere back in 2020 when the pandemic first began, if I had to guess, and then certainly during the summer of 2020. Right now, we've got the war in Ukraine, inflation, rising gas prices, in the beginnings of political campaigns, and all of the negativity that seems to pervade through those issues. How can we make sure that we're not partaking in doom-scrolling? I think the first thing is really to realize that we're doing it because sometimes we don't realize we're doom scrolling, but then we wonder why we feel anxious or on edge after we've looked at the news or social media. So first thing, be intentional about your interactions with news, with media, with social media. Ask yourself why you're choosing to read or interact with media about a particular issue so often? Is it for information or because you want to help? When you know why you're doing something, you'll be better prepared to move forward with a plan on how to mitigate your actions if need be. You can take action and give back. We come away from doom scrolling feeling a lot of ways, anxious, on edge, helpless, and even out of control which recovering control freaks like me do not like. Find a way to give back in your own community. That can give you a great sense of purpose and the rewarding feeling of being helpful. And according to an article we will be linking to, being a volunteer lowers rates of depression and stress levels. And we all know that lower stress levels are better for your overall health. In addition to volunteering, sometimes you just might need to take a break, touch some grass, or maybe log off for even a little longer. I've mentioned before that Facebook has been banished to the app library on my phone, and there's a reason for that. There was a vibe that I was getting from the posts people were making on Facebook, and it wasn't a good one. Rather than spend time and energy hiding posts or adjusting my feed, I took time to think about how Facebook was serving me. What was I really there for? Was I interacting or just getting annoyed? When I realized that I closed out the app, usually feeling worse than when I initially logged on, I decided to banish the app from my phone's homepage and I haven't missed it. These are just some tips to get you started. If you want more info on how to stop the doom scroll, check out the links in our notes. Number five, short and sweet for this last one, and good news if you've got a Walmart Plus subscription. If not, well, you might want to think about getting a Walmart Plus subscription. This week, the company announced that they would be doubling their fuel discount, raising it to $0.10 a gallon. And the discount won't just be at Walmart gas pumps. Exxon and mobile stations will offer the 10% discount, and then Murphy USA stations will offer between a $0.05 and $0.10 discount per gallon, depending on state regulations, which, just like our industry, vary depending on the state. 
We will be linking to a write-up in Business Insider and the official press release from Walmart so you can find out more. Certainly something to think about as we are getting back out on the road amidst rising gas prices. And now that we are through our official list of five, it's time for... Rupel Recommends. It is the end of the month, so we're talking about what's coming to streaming for the month of May. Couple of selections from both Netflix and Disney+, Plus, but the pickings were awfully slim this month. I will start with Netflix. May 13th brings the movie Senior Year with Rebel Wilson as a high school cheerleader who wakes up after being in a coma for 20 years and wants to finish out her last year of high school. I'm a fan of Rebel Wilson, so I am hopeful this will be good, but I'm a bit apprehensive of the setup. May 26th, we get a brand new generation of ponies in My Little Pony Make Your Mark. Kind of bittersweet because my daughter used to love My Little Pony, but she's getting older now, so I'm not sure if she'll be as enthusiastic about watching this new series. And then on May 27th, Stranger Things returns with Season 4, Part 1. I still have not made it through Season 1, but I know a lot of people who really have enjoyed Stranger Things. Moving on to Disney+, Plus, we've got Sneakerella on May 13th. It is a modern-day take on Cinderella set against the backdrop of New York City's street sneaker culture. Very excited to see this new take on a classic. That is one of my favorite genres. On May 20th, a very interesting comeback for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It is a mix of animation styles and live action. Now, I loved the original Rescue Rangers cartoon, but I have to say, the grown-up Peter Pan in the trailer was a bit unsettling. And then on May 27th, the long-awaited Obi-Wan Kenobi premieres on Disney+. Like I said, not a whole lot that I found super compelling, but still a couple entries that will make for a few good movie nights this month. I suppose we can always revisit the classics, right? That is all we've got for this episode. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 